Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Amen. Good morning. This is, this is, this is awesome. Get a close out. It's a it's a joy to do this, be able to close out, come on, the, the Sunday finale of 2018. Pretty exciting, amen? I just, observation, anytime I go to a movie theater, it, it's never, it's seated like this. Have you noticed in a movie theater, I can sit right in the middle, eight rows back, and two people come in, and the whole theater is available, but they sit like right by me or behind me? You come to church? No, you need your space. Why do you need your space in church, but you don't need it in a movie theater when you're next to strangers? If you want to move, you can move. If you want to crowd the person next to you, go ahead. If you want to stay where you're at, that's fine. Stay where you're at, too. Uh, how many people like change? Okay. You're like, what type of change are you talking about? How many, how, many, how many starters do we have in the room today? Come on, you love just to start something new. How many, how many of you, the frustration of the family, you start everything all the time but never finish anything? You don't have to raise your hand. You got starters and you got, you got people that love to, to finish something. Uh, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a little about that, about the cycles of life. But uh, I am, I'm, I'm glad to be here in church with you all. I mean, don't you think we are, come on, we're a blessed people. And I hope that uh, you had the opportunity to join with us on Christmas Eve service. I thought it was spectacular. Uh, we had uh, something new that we did. We did a 3 o'clock and a 5 o'clock. We weren't quite sure uh, how that was going to go, but it turned out wonderfully. And next year, you never know. We might even do a 1, 3, and 5. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just see. But uh, even as uh, Tracy mentioned, I think as we start this new year, one of the best things you can do for your individual life as well as your family and collectively as a church is uh, spend some time praying together and worshiping. And at our Vision Weekend, uh, I can't speak enough about it. Uh, how that is really a catalyst that God uses for the duration of the year. And how many know how you start something is pretty important. But also how you, f- how you finish something. So I'm glad that you're at church uh, this morning. When I look at uh, and think about uh, life, you can't help but notice cycles, am I right? Uh, there, there's, there's cycles of from, from birth to burial, right? You have your, these macro cycles uh, that we deal with when it comes to uh, life and starts and stops from uh, preschools, right, all the way to retirement homes. Uh, you have these micro cycles of morning coffee, my favorite, late night snacks. Uh, you have new friendships. You have frustrations. Come on, maybe a few. You have uh, all these types of celebrations that take place throughout uh, a year and throughout our life. Um, you have those moments, and some of you've experienced where you say, Can I have your number? And the next thing you know, uh, it's who gives this woman to be married to this man. It's just crazy how quick cycles can go. You then see sunrises and sunsets, right, every day. Those are written in. God has a brilliant way of doing that. You see beginnings, you see endings, and you see everything in the middle. And my, my hope today is to encourage us uh, as we end 2018, as we start a new year, uh, that everything we do is very significant to God. And the stuff, not just at the beginning, not just at the end, but everything in the middle matters. So if you want a title for this message, you can just write, The Middle Matters. And I want to talk about this. 
Now, as a kid, I used to play soccer. Uh, I think it's a, just a great sport. It just didn't have, it didn't have what it, I needed to keep my attention for long, though. Uh, however, I still watch it occasionally. And when you think about soccer, uh, you got to really give props to the fans of soccer. It's 90 minutes, right, of uh, watching a ball go from one end of the field to the other, back and forth, the fans leaning in with anticipation to maybe see one, two, possibly three goals scored in that 90-minute period. And now you think about the positions to the goalie, man, what a, what a great but scary position. I remember as a kid having uh, the, the, to drive to uh, my games on a Saturday and uh, not knowing if I was going to get the shirt and the gloves that go with being the goalie because as a young kid, they, just, they rotted everyone through the goalie position. The goalie position is like one of the scariest positions in the world because all things feel like they ride on you. Not only that, you have to put your body in the way of a fast-moving object that's coming towards you, right? Uh, but the thing about the goalie is when they make these fearless feats, these saves, uh, the whole stadium erupts. It's, it's cheers, excitement, people losing their mind. Then on the far end of the field, your, your forwards, your strikers, when they make a shot and it breaks the barrier and it, the ball moves into the back of the net, what happens? They lose their minds. They, they take off their shirt. They run with their arms back. They go into a slide and the entire stadium erupts. Now, how many times have you seen that, though, with midfielders? I want you to think about it. Ninety percent, most of your 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 game is occupied in the middle. Like most of the plays take place in the middle. There's six to seven to eight passes that have to be timed and methodical, just to give opportunity for the forward and striker to make that shot and to score the points. If you don't manage the middle well, guess what happens? You don't then have an opportunity to really uh, come out with a victory. I want to talk about how the middle in our life really matters. I know this with, with how we are as people. We, we love to, to start something new because we get tired of the process of maybe what we've been in. So it's almost, if we're not careful, we can neglect the process of what God is working us through because the end is too far ahead of us. It's not in sight. And so to appease not being able to reach the end, what do we do? We like to start something brand new. And if we're not careful, we start all these new things, but we're never really faithful in the details and the process of getting those finished. No condemnation if that's you today, but just maybe 2019 is a different story for you. Maybe you can look at the mundane as not so mundane that, that even in the mundane of the middle that God has specific purpose and plan and a role for it. The big picture is this, that God uh, did not emerge out of just these many possibilities, but God has always been the starts. And we see even the psalmist says this. He says, before the mountains were formed, right? You were, or had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So God's not just a piece of reality that we somehow work into our life and equation in some way. No, the writer of scripture, we see Isaiah says he's the first, he's the alpha, he's the last, he's the omega. What, what's being said is that God is the all-encompassing reality of our life, of our existence, of our soul. In Acts chapter 17, it's Paul who wrote, in him we live and move and have our being. Meaning what? That God gives shape to our life. He sets the parameters for you and for me. Uh, he gives us meaning and purpose. And without God and without his role in our life, come on, life is pointless. Uh, life is obscure. He's the one who forms our starts. He's the one who marks our start and our finish. 
One writer said, it's no small thing to be alive between Alpha and Omega. And I think if we're not careful, we, we almost just take life as uh, dull and somewhat boring. Uh, but when you realize there's a purpose in between the Alpha, or the God is our start, and the Omega, God is, is our finish, uh, life takes on new meaning. We see that God is the supply. He's the source of your life and of my life. He's the one who orchestrates outcomes and miracles. Today, whatever you're in need of, guess what? You can rest assured that in your power, you can't make the miracle happen. In your foresight, you can't see far enough into the future to figure out what to do right now. So you can rest assured that you don't have to worry about trying to make miracles happen for yourself or trying to manipulate outcomes. That's in God's hands and his control to be able to to do what he does. Our job right here in the middle is to steward our lives appropriately. What does that mean? I I think this means this. The middle is this. It means that I have a responsibility as God is my start and my completion. Right here in the middle, I have a responsibility to steward the resources he gives me every day. I have a responsibility to uh, steward the ideas and the thoughts uh, and the opportunities that he gives me every single day. The friendships that God gives me, guess what? I have a responsibility right here in the middle to manage those appropriately and properly. We can do one of three things. We can either use those resources for ourselves, and in doing that, we, we minimize their full potential in what they were intended to do. Secondly, we can waste those resources on fear and not really even see what the potential and not even use what God had intended them for and we just let them stay there in in a place of dormant and uh, not even touching. Or we can recognize that all the resources from friendships to relationships to finances to uh, your thoughts, the ideas that God downloads to you, we can recognize that he is the originator of these and we can use them for his purpose and for his plan. And that's the idea, I think, of really managing the middle is all that God has given us, regardless of victories and losses, God uses it as a way to get us from one point to another point. I've been reading in Philippians chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, the, the whole letter all week long. And I encourage you, even before the year expires and you got one day to do it, and if Pastor Tracy is able to read all of Genesis in one day, you can read four chapters uh, in Philippians in probably a tea time or coffee, whatever you like. Uh, just in, in one setting, it's simple to do. And what it does, it, it really encourage you. I think it gives a reset to your life and your thinking, your heart. It's done it to me. As I'm reading the letter that Paul writes to uh, this, this wonderful community of believers, this church, uh, I, I realize that not in just even that writing of, of Philippians, but in all of Paul's epistles, you see that there's this one overarching reality that he lives by, and that is that God is the blessed controller of everything. Like now and forever. There's not a lapse of time. There's not a moment that he's not. Like Isaiah said, uh, I've, that God is the first and the last. There's no God that even compares, come close to him. Uh, we see the psalmist says, before there was anything, guess what? God is, God was. Uh, and Paul's saying the same thing, that he's confident that God's the controller of everything. Even in um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, that Paul says, I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of what? Of Christ Jesus. I love it. Paul's so confident. He's like, I'm, 
I'm sure, I'm certain of this, that whatever is going on in your life, that the, the full story is going to come to perfect completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Like, he has a timing and he has place for your story. Starts, he controls the middle, and there's a great finality to it. God is the beginning and the ending. And this is what uh, Paul is saying. I'm confident that he's the starter of my life and he's the one who brings a perfect conclusion. But not only is he just there present in the, the beginning and the end, God's the f- faithful sustainer of all the stuff in the middle. See, the stuff that's involved in your life that God's given you access to uh, is stuff that matters and it's very, very Important, And we see that Paul sets an example. And I can't read all of the Philippian letter, but I'm going to read the fourth chapter, at least part of it, in verse 4. This is what Paul says. He says, this is an example that Paul sets out for you and I as we end 2018, move into 2019. This is, this is what he sets up as an example of how we can occupy and how we can manage our middle appropriately. Remember, it's the six to seven to eight passes that are done in the middle that sets up what? That sets up the striker to be able to score the points that makes the entire stadium erupt, uh, that has the potential to win the game. It's the stuff right here in the middle of our life that is of great importance and value. Paul says this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ what, who strengthens me. Now, this is it's one thing to write this, this letter from like the Hyatt or Five Star Resorts or uh, with your feet in this, you know, sand of uh, the sun hitting you like in your face, right? Uh, it, it's one thing to talk about like rejoicing always and being content and being satisfied when the circumstances are, are, are right. Uh, when everything is upbeat. But can you imagine writing this, penning this letter uh, from circumstances that uh, it's dim lit, possibly in, in prison, in a jail cell, maybe house arrest. Uh, you have been chased out of cities. You've been persecuted by individuals. Uh, not all of life has actually gone in your way and in your favor. And yet you still write a paragraph like this. I wonder here, looking back in 2018, if you and I, if we actually sat down, could we write a paragraph like this, even in the present circumstance that we're in right now? Paul is able to. The background of this is that the joy is, it's the dominant theme here. 
And he, he wrote this letter for three reasons, and I'm going to talk about one of them today. But, but one was he wrote this letter as a thank you letter. It was a letter of affection and appreciation for what? The charitableness uh, that was received from those in Philippi towards Paul in his missionary endeavors, uh, the support that was there. You can read the whole background of this letter. I encourage you to do it in Acts chapter 16. And you realize it was Paul uh, went to a prayer meeting one day down by the river, found a lady by the name of Lydia and her household and family. And God opened uh, the attention, the mind, the heart of Lydia. She heard the surprising good news of Jesus that Paul communicated. And there uh, we see the first church being started in Philippi in, in Europe there. Uh, and that was an interest into what was what was to come. Paul says, thank you. This is the, a letter of, of thanksgiving. It's a letter of gratitude. But it's also a letter of, hey, 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 relax, chill out, like work together. Uh, it's, it's a letter that helps resolve conflicts. I don't know if you've had any conflict. Maybe it happened last week when you had all your family in town. If so, Philippians is a great letter for you to read because it's, it talks about just Work in humility. Work side by side with the purpose of the gospel of Jesus. Paul's saying, basically, don't, just don't make all this work in vain by allowing uh, division to come in and disunity to come in. But essentially, work together side by side with the spirit of humility for the cause and the purpose of, of Christ. But equally, and this is the third, third reason why Paul writes this letter, and it's equally important, is to encourage the believer, you and I, in our faith, that God is uh, completely, utterly reliable, and he's infinitely resourceful. Why? And we see this through the purpose of Jesus, that you can rely on Jesus today. Not only can you rely on Jesus for his support and his help and his grace, but you find that a life with Jesus means it's a resourceful life. That no, There's not a situation that you're even in today, whether it's overwhelming, I'm going to prove it, whether it's overwhelming, whether it, you, can, you can't figure which way is up, which way is down, which way you're supposed to go. If you trust God today and let God take you from point A to the next point, what you find is that he is resourceful in how he does it. Uh, he, he works surprises in your life that you never expected. He works miracles in your life that you weren't even waiting for and didn't think you needed. Uh, he, he, he works uh, all these scenarios right here in the middle, one pass after another, setting your life for something up that is completely beautiful, that he uses as a testimony to the world. We see that Paul, when you read this, there's, there's a practice that's in play here. He's saying, if you practice these things, not only is this the finale of 2018 on this Sunday, but it's also what I like to call Assessment Sunday. And, how, and no one likes the assessment, but I think it's important before we move into a new year. You actually look, you look back and, and you, you test and you examine how your life has been thus far. And Paul sets it up for us. He goes, there's a practice that if you engage in, uh, there's a promise that's associated to it. He goes, this is the practice. You ready for it? He says, rejoice in the Lord Always. I just want you to maybe just for a moment on your notes or in your head, however you want to calculate it, go ahead in 2018, go ahead and rate from one to 10, go ahead and grade your level of rejoicing this year. If it was like every day was just amazing and there was just everything, no matter what you went through, it was just, uh, just it was a 10, nothing happened to you that affected your attitude, go ahead and give yourself a 10. But where are you at on that scale? If you don't like numbers, go ahead and do, do letters then. Is it A, B, C, D, or F? 
F? Do you give yourself a C in rejoicing this year, or do you give yourself a B? Are there some overachievers? He said, no, actually, I, I think I'm an A. Go ahead and for a moment, go ahead and rate yourself. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he says, the next thing to practice is your gentleness. How has your gentleness been this year? He says, let your reasonableness or your gentleness or your graciousness be known to everyone. You can give yourself a high score on this if you've not been selective in your graciousness, if you've not been selective in your gentleness. Meaning if you've offered this to everyone, even the person who cuts you off, even the, even the person who, who cut you off in line or who said that awful thing about you, if you extended grace to them, you can go ahead and give yourself a high ranking. But what do you, what do you rate yourself when it comes to your rejoicing? What do you rate yourself this year when it comes to your spirit of gentleness toward not just the safe crowd, the home crowd, but everybody? What do you give yourself when it comes to resting and trusting as opposed to being anxious? Because Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. So the opposite of anxiety is rest and trust. So where are you at when it comes to anxiety levels or I should say trust levels? Where do you rate yourself? Do you give yourself when it comes to resting and trust a B, a C, maybe an A, what is it? He also says, not only don't be anxious, but pray about everything. Where, where's your prayer life? Like, has it been consistent in 2018? Uh, is it just, or is it a prayer life that really comes to the scene when something kind of drastic happens or difficult happens? But where's your prayer life? Paul's saying, if you practice things, rejoicing, gentleness, resting, trusting, prayer, gratefulness. Where is the gratefulness? Where do you rank that? It's probably a little higher since we've been in a grateful series. Uh, so it's kind of been on your forefront, but uh, the whole year, 2018, where has the levels of gratefulness been? Uh, if you're having a hard time measure what your grade is, ask, ask your neighbor, ask someone who knows you, maybe have your spouse grade you if you really want to get honest. Um, what is your thought life like? What's your thought life like? Because Paul says, uh, what, what you need to do is uh, you need to think on things that are true and honorable and just and lovely and commendable and excellent, worthy of praise. This is, this is where you think. So when you think through thought life and levels of gratefulness in your prayer life and resting and gentleness and, and rejoicing, what, what grade do you give yourself in 2018? Paul's saying this, as you practice these things, there's promise that's associated to it. What's the promise? The promise is this in verse 7. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Practice these things, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. So two things are promised here. Uh, you get the peace of God, and you get the God of peace as you practice these things. One writer says, you enter the passage here in Philippians with worry, and you come out in peace. The storm is still blowing. The waves are still rolling high. The night is still dark. Things have not changed, but the believer who prays has. The believer who's engaged in rejoicing always, in a gentle spirit, in resting over anxiety, in prayer over worry, in gentleness over complaining, in a thought life that's focused on the right things that God has given us to feed on, the benefit of it is that peace becomes your portion, and the God of peace overlaps and overwhelms your story. And I know where we're at. I mean, the, the fact that our anxiety levels are so high uh, amongst uh, Americans and uh, the turmoil and uh, where people are at, you can just feel it. You sense you don't need to be all that uh, even aware to, to know that it's, it's all around us. Paul's saying there's a promise that comes with the right practice, but 
it's just not about the right practice. Remember, life is, is cycles. So Paul's saying it's just not about practicing. For Paul, it's not about just trying these things harder and praying longer and just working just the, the, is all you can, gratefulness out of you. It's not about putting more energy into it. It's tied to what he says there's a secret here. He goes, this, there, there's a secret to the practice. And the secret to the practice, it, it's cyclical. It opens up a door to the promise that you get peace and the God of peace right with you. And the secret is this. It's that he can do all things, not by himself. But he says, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the reason why Paul can rejoice when it doesn't make sense is because of the secret. He's learned to do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So Paul can rejoice when it doesn't make sense. Not because of what Paul stirs up within his own life, in his own, uh, in his own nature. No, it's because of the strength that God gives him to rejoice when it doesn't make sense. Paul can have uh, peace instead of anxiety. Why? Because of the strength and power he gets from Jesus, being in Jesus. Uh, the reason why he can think on things that are pure and excellent and of a good report is why? Not because he's trying with all his might to center his focus and thoughts. It's because he puts his thinking and focus on Jesus. And the result of that is thinking that is edified, thinking that is of a good nature and of a sound mind and a healthy position. This is the high point of this letter is that all things is contingent upon what? Being in him. Meaning you can't encounter and overcome all things and do all things in your life alone. And this is unfortunately uh, the, the place that we're at in our society is that we're fighting this idea, this secular thought of power, the, 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 the idea of um, the, the power of positive thinking. Uh, and like somehow there's some formula that uh, unlocks the hidden uh, power inside you. And as you unlock that, then you can overcome yourself and overcome the world. We just know that just, it might sound good to some. It doesn't, I mean, it sounds cheesy to me just because it just doesn't, I know it doesn't work. The reason why I know it doesn't work is because suicide rates are at an all-time high. Uh, d- depression, the diagnosis of depression is in the millions. I think as of last year, it was over 300 million people worldwide were uh, diagnosed clinically depressed. I mean, the, the power of positive thinking is not working, not just for our nation, but globally. It's not working for our world. See, when you think about the idea of a train, the train from destination to um, departure, in between there, as the train's on the tracks, it can do all things from departure to destination. What happens when the train gets off the track? It wrecks and it can go nowhere. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people, how they identify their lives. They feel like their life is a wreck going nowhere. Why? Well, maybe it's because they're trying to take on this big world and they're trying to occupy and they're trying to manage their middle. They're trying to manage their life in their own strength. And the good news this morning at the end of this year is that God's not given you uh, the go ahead to try and manage your life all by yourself and all by myself and your power and my power alone. Paul says the secret to this practice, the secret to rejoicing, the secret to uh, living a life of of rest and trust, the secret to having a thought life that is sound and focus on the right things is all wrapped up into knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. 
the all-conquering strength for Paul was not centered on himself, but was centered on Jesus. And this is the danger. When I try and take Jesus out of the equation, and I find and try, I try within myself to unlock the secret hidden power to overcome and to, to, to break bad habits and to set those New Year's resolutions and try with all my might to, to make it happen, what happens is I place myself in the center of my life and not Christ. Paul's saying he lives contrary to this, the opposite of this. He's saying that uh, the secret to overcoming in this life and to managing the middle appropriately is to move out of focus so that God can come, Christ specifically come into focus and become the center of your life and of my life. Paul's saying this is the secret for my life is allowing God to become center of my life. We see a great example of this is in Acts chapter 17. So we see in Acts chapter 16, as you read it, Paul is ministering around Philippi. He has his faithful companion with him, Silas, and some others. And uh, as they're ministering, they've met Lydia. They've met the entire household. God gave the opportunity for Paul to speak the gospel message, to share it with this family. We see people are coming to Jesus. As he's ministering, there's a little crazy girl that's following him. She's a demoniac, right? And she has masters that are using her to make money. Paul eventually gets fed up with uh, just the annoyance of the enemy, and he doesn't rebuke the child, but he rebukes whatever the demons that are in her. And that day she's set free and she's, she's well. She's finally in her right mind. Well, what does that do? It lands Paul and Silas in the spotlight here in Philippi. And they're now before the, the courts and accusations are coming against them. Uh, they're trying to stir things up. They're trying to go against Rome. And what do you find happens is you find that the magistrates uh, and all those with them in uh, verses 16 through 24, it says the crowd, they joined in and attacking them. And the magistrate tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted them with many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And while I was reading this, you have to ask the question, wonder, and consider this. Uh, it's crazy, and this is where life kind of throws a curve at us, is when you're doing everything seemingly right. Have you ever been there? Like you're doing everything in like it's right order, and you're serving God, and you're trying to fulfill the mission of Jesus, but in living out and fulfilling the mission of Jesus, somehow you find yourselves beaten down and in an inner prison, fastened in chains. It's, it's one thing to be in jail, but to be in an inner prison, it suggests that it's it's... I mean, they're treating Paul and Silas like they're some type of serial killers. Like, we're going to put them in, like, the inner of uh, this, this sanctum to, to make sure they don't go anywhere because they're such a massive threat. And Paul and Silas are in prison. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, even your, your, this, this last year, that you felt like you've been doing everything right, but somehow circumstances suggest that you're not doing everything right. And it's that the funny thing about circumstances and seasons, they can be really deceiving. You can be doing the right thing and doing exactly what God's asked you to do, but somehow you find yourself right in the middle of a storm. You find yourself right in the middle of opposition. And if we're not careful and if we're trying to process life all by ourselves and we're the center, what happens? We, we misdiagnose and we misunderstand what God has us in. See, today you might be in a season to where it feels like it's not hopeful. Uh, it's not light. It's not cheery. But 
take heart today that God has you right where he needs you to be. If, if you allow your eyes to be open, if you allow your ears to be open as you move into this next season, you'll see that it's all been used as a setup. One pass to the next, to the next, to the next is a setup for, for victory in your life, but not just in your life because it's not about just us and me solely using the middle for my game. It's about allowing my life to be used so that it can be a display and showcase and a setup for other people that God brings along my path. Paul and Silas are in the inner prison. They're fastened in chains, and they're there. And Paul, once again, sets this beautiful picture of what it's like to manage the middle. At midnight, he says... We read that he and Silas, what do they do? They start singing and praying. And it says, as they were singing and praying at midnight, it says the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. See, there's a difference between managing your middle and manipulating the middle. See, managing the middle is doing exactly what Paul and Silas are doing here. Think about it. They were in a bad spot, would you say? Absolutely. What do they do? Do they worry or panic or fear or fret? No. He practices what he, he, he wrote in his letter to the, the church in Philippi. He says, I'm going to rejoice always even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to allow uh, thanksgiving and gratitude to come out of me. Not because it's something that I inherently created by myself. It's because I know the source. I can do, and this is the key, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. In me, some things. In Christ, everything. In you, some things. In Christ, everything. All things. See, Paul's saying, even in prison, this, this, this works. I'm sitting there. I'm bound up. They don't know. We're Roman citizens. They don't know that yet, but they're going to know. But right now, I'm going to sit here. We've been mistreated for not doing anything wrong. But instead of getting back and getting even, what are we going to do, Silas? We're going to begin to worship. We're going to manage the middle appropriately. Why? Because we don't have to worry about outcomes. That's God. He's, he's Omega. We don't have to worry about uh, the beginnings. God sets the next season up. What we're going to do right now is we're going we're gonna to do what God's commission calls to. And we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And if, if you notice this, it says that the prisoners were what? They were watching. They're listening. That's, I, I love this about this. They were listening to Paul and Silas sing and worship and pray in a nasty situation. And what was a disaster to them was an opportunity for Paul and Silas. What was hopeless for them was an opportunity for God to shine in the lives of these onlookers. See, your situation, what you're in, the middle that you live Guess what? You have people listening and watching. I have people watching and listening. Okay, how are you going to handle this? Uh, in this scenario of your life, in this tough strait, in this difficulty, man, what are you going to do? We are in a, in, a, in a world that is wanting, that is waiting. Our job is not to try and manage or, or manipulate some of the, the outcome. It's to, to trust and it's to obey. We see that uh, in, in our world that we live in, um, it, it's a world that is, uh, Paul says, it's, you're in the middle in verse 14 and 16 of chapters. Is you're, you live in a, check this out, a crooked and a twisted generation. But here's the key. You, you're supposed to shine like lights in this world, holding fast not to your strength, but holding fast to the word of life. So in prison, Paul, I mean, I just love this. He's brilliant because he gets Jesus. 
He's like, even in the midst of this situation, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing and I'm going to worship. It says immediately, the, the jails, the, the cells, the doors were open. But you know what I love? I love the fact that we don't read that Paul and Silas, right when the doors opened, they ran out of there. Come on, let's be honest. If the doors open, look, we'd peek out and we would probably bolt. We think this is a moment of freedom. Let's get to the next thing. What does is, what is Paul and Silas do? This shows how content, because he says, I, I've learned the art of contentment. Whether I have a lot or I have nothing, whether I feel like I'm a free man or I'm enslaved, what? I've learned that the art of contentment is knowing that God is the controller of everything. And that which he started, he's faithful to complete in my life. That I can do everything who, through Christ who gives me strength. He didn't bolt. The jailer was about ready to, to kill himself because of, of what happened. And Paul and Silas shout out to the jailer. And what did they do? They share with the jailer the surprising good news of Jesus. And he and his entire household were saved. See, we never know what's like our situation and what happens in the middle of our life, how it's a setup for someone else who's going to ask the question. Because they saw how you held and carried and managed yourself. They, they see how you treat your spouse. They see how you parent. They, they see how you love Christ in his church. They, they see how you really care for neighbors with no strings attached. They, they see how you believe even amongst all these defying odds. They see how you lean in uh, with a heart of gratitude and worship. They, they see a church that isn't dull, isn't dim lit, but is shining bright in a world that's twisted. They don't know up from down, right from left. This is the, what God's called us to do. And as we move into this, this next year, I'm believing that uh, as we practice these things, not with our own energy, but with the energy that Christ gives us, uh, we'll find more and more and more and more stories of being carriers of the peace of God into people's homes, into their story, uh, into relationships, and seeing like Paul and Silas did, uh, people who were in prison being set free with the good news of Jesus. People who were about ready to take their lives being set free with the good news of Jesus. People who were so confused in relationships with their home about ready to break up, but because of the wonder and the good news of Jesus, everything changed. It's one pass to the next pass, the next pass, the next pass. Most of the activity of our life is done right here in midfield. It's not the start. It's not the finish. That's God's to control. Our, our role is right here in the middle. So the secret is, it's because it's through Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus that, that I can accomplish everything. But there's also a secret that we also, it's not really a secret because he revealed it, uh, but we, we pass over it quickly. And it's verse five. It says in verse five, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm almost done here, but it says this in verse five. It says, the Lord is at hand. The, the sentence does not end. It goes on to say, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Not only is Paul just confident that it's Christ in him that gives him the strength and the power to overcome and take on anything. Paul has this, this remarkable sense and this revelation, this reality that God at hand means God is near. And I wonder if sometimes, oftentimes, we get into moments of panic and fear and frustration because we lose the understanding or we forget the understanding that God is near. 2019, this is my prayer for this church, is that we're going to be a church that we recognize the nearness of God in every area 
every life, every story. And as we recognize the nearness of God, we understand that no matter what comes our way as individuals and as a church community, uh, that we can do all things because the promise is this, that God is with us. He's working through us uh, for, for his advantage. See, we're future people. If you've been with us this last year and even the last several years, you'll hear our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Chris, teach this and just get this into our hearts and minds all the time, that we are future people. But we're future people with responsibility like in the now, presently. And we have a responsibility. And I believe that uh, as we see the future, as we look to Jesus, uh, it gives encouragement, it gives meaning, it gives excitement to what we're doing right now. Can I tell you, if you're not excited about your life right now, just take a moment before you go into another year and spend some time reflecting on the wonder and the nature of who Jesus is. And what happens is it's, it's crazy how it does it. It gives a surge of excitement to your responsibilities like right now. Like the job that you're in, you're supposed to be there. Uh, the, 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 the family that God's given you to care for and raise and be a part of, regardless of all the wonder of conflict and all the personality clashes, guess what? God's designed and destined you to be a part of that. The church that God's planted you in, guess what? Regardless of all the same thing that happens in family, it happens in church, guess what? You're supposed to root yourself even deeper and be a part of that. Uh, Why? Because it's the middle stuff that brings life to uh, our story. It's the middle stuff that God uses every single day of our life. It's just not in those spectacular moments. It's in those like mediocre, you think, and mundane and just those little things. It's in those moments that God uses to work miracles, not just in your life, but in the life of people around you. I'm believing that this is going to be a year for that. Can we pray?